0: A couple of weeks ago, at Confirmation Sunday, Steve Wilson, our director of Child and Family Ministries, asked the question of the confirmands. Do I need to go to church in order to be a Christian? You know, he answered that incredibly well as he talked about the design of the building, if you remember, calling it the nave, like a ship, the structure... And how being out on the water on your own without being in a ship, you will eventually drown. The need to come in together, to gather here to receive the strength and the forgiveness that comes through Christ our Savior. And I guess as I look at the text for today and we talk about the title True Worshippers, I want to ask the question then, do I have to go to church to worship God. I want to look at those texts briefly, do a little unpacking on them, and then go on. That reading in 1 Kings, it's an event of dedicating the temple that Solomon built. You know, 1 Kings is written at a time of exile. It isn't written during that event happening. It's written when the people are in despair, when they are depressed, when they're looking back at an event that took place looking back at a time when they saw the cloud descending in that temple of God's presence. And in their exiled state, wondering, is God with us now? But here briefly again, the words that Solomon wrote as he dedicated that temple. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I had built. You see, as Solomon asked that question, he knew that there was more to worship than just the temple he had built. That God was much bigger than just walls and mortar and bricks and a building because he was the God of heaven and earth and what could contain him. And as Jesus began a discussion, at a well in Samaria with a woman. He eventually drifted to the topic of worship. Some background on that. Samaria was part of the northern kingdom that had been carried off into Babylon. While they were in captivity, they intermarried to the Jews in the southern kingdom. They were polluted in their blood. They weren't true Jews. They worshipped on a mountain in the northern kingdom, Mount Gerizim. They had a temple there. The temple lasted until what was known as the Maccabean Revolt in B.C. that destroyed that temple. But that was the place that they said they were to worship. And knowing that and knowing that discussion that goes back, let's hear those words again as Jesus speaks to this woman who he has revealed many things to. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming. When you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Briefly there, what Jesus is pointing out to her is that the Samaritans had lost sight of what... Solomon had been praying in the temple, those long prayers to say, Lord, now fulfill your promise to your servant, my father, David, that the line of Messiah will come through David. They had forgotten that. That worship was going to center around the Messiah who was to come. And that it wasn't about the place of worship on Mount Gerizim or in Jerusalem. It was about the one whom God had sent. And Jesus goes on, yet the hour is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. Spirit and truth. That's what Jesus tells us true worship is all about. You know, sometimes there's a word that seems to get substituted a lot for worship. It's the word religion. I want to look at that word for a moment, the definition that Webster says about religion, a particular system of worship and faith. And if you would look at that word system also in the dictionary, a set of connected Things. You know, ancient Israel and Israel in Jesus' day definitely was religious in their worship. They had times and places and rituals and orders and actions that they went through in order to, as they thought, worship God. You know, religion seems to be our default mode in life when we talk about worship. Because we begin to associate the things rather than the person. Rather than those words that Jesus said of spirit and truth. We default to religion because religion helps us in this system and this set of things to fit worship into a box for us. To make it simple, to make it easy, to make it no more than an hour on Sunday. And when worship or religion comes into play at a different time in our life, then sometimes it feels out of place. For instance, you know, as Pastor Mark and I go to a lot of events, we run up against people who ask us what we do. I was at a wedding reception last weekend. And at the reception, I was sitting at one table, and there was a guy at the table behind me who was bringing his food. He sat down and dumped the food in his lap. And so he used the Lord's name to describe his upset over dropping that food in his lap. And his wife elbows him and says, Honey, shh, the preacher's sitting at the next table. (laughs) Well, he looked up and kind of, in a mad way. said, well, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, I wasn't offended. I'm not God. He didn't take my name in vain. But I think what upsets people in situations like that, when you come in contact with somebody, is because this isn't the place in their mind where we have to think about worship, where we have to think about, God, that's on Sunday, that's an hour in a place where I go, where it all fits really neatly, where I have orders and rituals and things that I go through, where I worship God, but the rest of the week... The rest of the week is mine. God doesn't enter into those things. Those things don't come into play. This is my space and the things that I do. Stay in that place where I put you. You know, like I said, the default mode for us is that religion and making it fit the things that we want it to fit. I had a person who left a church once over the fact that The little guy on the page at the confession was standing, and we were kneeling. And he said, that's wrong. This is what it says, the guy's standing, and if you're not doing that, you're worshiping wrong. You see, it didn't fit the box that he wanted it to fit in. It didn't fit the ritual. It didn't fit the order. It didn't fit the things that he thought worship should be. And so I ask that question again, do we have to go to church in order to worship God? And my answer would be, if it's about the religion, if it's about the stuff, if it's about the orders and the actions and everything else that has to fit into this little place, then the answer would be, yes, yes, then you have to. But then we have to come full front to Jesus' word. That the true worshipers of God worship in spirit and in truth. I want to read to you what Paul says in Romans 12, verse 1, about worship. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is... Your true and proper worship. See, what Paul's saying to us, what Jesus is saying to us, what Solomon is trying to come to grips with, is that it doesn't fit into a neat little box in an hour on Sunday in terms of worship. Worship is a life that we go through every day. Because Paul makes the important point of what true worship really is, in view... Of God's mercy. You see, worship is about understanding first and foremost that we have received mercy. We've used that word this morning already many times. We used it in the confession to have mercy. We used it in the Kyrie. Lord, have mercy. That first and foremost in worship, to worship in spirit and truth, we understand what has been done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. That we have received from God mercy, forgiveness, love, and grace. And that is why we worship in spirit and in truth. Because that person who has given us mercy, Jesus Christ, is the one who has brought us into the presence of the Father. Who has given us the inheritance through baptism to make us children of the Father. And who has given us that spirit that calls us to worship in the truth of His word. Because first and foremost, we understand and apprehend mercy. Is mercy a thing then that only exists at an hour on Sunday when we come together? Or is it, as the book of Lamentations says, your mercies are new every morning? You see, as Paul's saying, every moment that we live, we are under the blanket of Christ's mercy. And in view of that mercy, we are able, because of that forgiveness that we have received through the Spirit and through truth, to worship our God, wherever we are, whenever we are. Because we live a life in view of that mercy. You know, there's a French proverb that says, A good meal ought to begin with hunger true worshipers are people who hunger for that mercy. Nothing else will satisfy us except to hear the forgiveness and love that we have received from the one who came and gave his life for us, Jesus, our Messiah, our King. You know, as we looked in that series at Revelation and so many times we came around that view that John had painted for us in the word of the throne room of heaven. The song again and again was about the lamb who was slain. The one who died in order to give us mercy. That worship is about Jesus and his forgiveness. And that is what we celebrate and that is what we come together to lift. And to praise his name because we have received it first from the one who died to give it to us. We come here into this place in this hour on Sunday to celebrate that mercy, but it isn't the only place that we receive it. We come here to celebrate the gifts that he has given us as the people of God. To be hungry and to be fed as we will be today on the bread come down from heaven. The bread of life. Jesus' very body and blood. Mercy given to us. Forgiveness once again. We come here to celebrate being bathed in the waters of our baptism. Again, mercy, forgiveness washed over us. We join the church throughout all time and space as we worship the land who has given us mercy. And we praise the one who died to give us eternal life. Do I need, do I have to go to church in order to worship God? No. But I need to first and foremost understand that to worship God I have received first from Him Mercy through Jesus Christ. Mercy that's new every morning. Mercy that washes away the slate of my sin every day that I start anew in Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again for you and for me. You see, we worship in spirit and in truth of that mercy. The truth of the word that tells us about what Jesus has done for us and everyone. And the spirit that leads us To respond to that mercy in praise and adoration. May we never be a people that call ourselves religious in our worship. May we be people who always know the truth of the mercy in our worship. That comes through Jesus our Lord and Savior. Amen.